Listen to Natty News. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Natty News, the nattiest news show in the world. My name is Andrew the Nanny, and I'm joined by Pat, physio in training. Woo. Pat, how have you been? Yeah, I'm good. It's the calm before the storm, and uh, midterms are are coming, so I don't do any cardio training and like what we're going to talk about today, but I guess my other training is, uh, is the academic training, which is equally hard. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I can imagine, like, every day I'm so blessed to be out of school and be able to have some consistent training schedules, not having to, like, just go crazy with midterms and finals. Like, it's tough being a student in, like, a pretty high-pressure degree or master's program like you're in. So best of luck to that, man. And also... To the listeners, really apologize for missing the last week of Natty News. Uh, both Pat and I, we had a bit of a hectic schedule. Pat with school, me with some not as important stuff. Uh, <laughs> and unfortunately, we couldn't sync up. But Natty News is still here. As long as there's fake Natties and non-Natty News sources, we have to be here to give out the truth. Um, but anyways, Pat, I know myself and all the listeners were dying to know during your physiotherapy school, have you learned some secrets? Have you learned some stuff that the public don't realize? Like, I want to know about the real physio secret. So I think you have a little special segment for us to start off today. Yeah. Well, welcome to our newest segment. It's It's got some good alliteration. We call it Physio Fun Fact, where I... Um, I, I, I give you guys a little bit of information that you probably didn't know about the human body that I either learned in school or consolidated in school. Um, yeah, so we'll dive right into it. So today's fun fact is about the exercise that we call the shoulder press, right? Where you take a barbell or a dumbbell and you put it overhead. And it's always been called shoulder press, um, you know, and people think about it like that too, right? This is a chest press and this is a shoulder press, but that's actually a misconception because when you do a shoulder press, it requires two main movements. The first is kind of shoulder flexion, which is how you raise your arm overhead. But the second one is upward rotation of your scapula. So you've got your shoulder blade there. And then if you just put your hand on your back and you can do this if you're listening, right? And you press your arm overhead, you can feel some rotation um, all that scapula and that's called upward rotation. Now that is entirely not done by what we call our shoulder, which is your deltoid. Deltoid plays no part in that. That is all actually muscles located in your back, such as your traps. So another fun fact, your trap doesn't just do this, unlike a lot of gym bros who just think that's all it does. Your trap has three different parts that do different things, right? And the upper and lower part help with that. Um, other ones you may have heard of rhomboids, they're the ones that squeeze your shoulder blades together. They also help. There's one called levator scapulae. I wonder what that does. It elevates your, your scapula and a whole bunch of those guys. There's a whole bunch of like the, the back and shoulder is very fascinating. Um, so uh, if any of you listeners have questions on that, I love talking about it. But anyways, so now you realize that the shoulder press involves way more than just the shoulder. It uh, Your back gets very involved and you can think about that when you're training that just because it's shoulder day, um, and if your back is fried from the day before, that can affect your shoulder press, and you should take that into account, and uh, and vice versa, right? Um, you know, like for me, whenever I do a shoulder press first, I go to pull-ups after, I'm fried, because it's actually a lot of 
besides the fact that your your pull-ups use a lot of lats it uses very similar muscles so yeah some food for thought that's our physio fun fact of the day Oh man, dude, I love that. Um, again, people know I'm a huge fan of overhead press. I think besides pull-ups, it is the best upper body movement. And uh, you know, I forgot who said this. It was like a YouTuber when I was like a high, in high school. But they were mentioning when you do overhead press, you should have a trap pump. Like if you're not getting a pump in like your upper back, you're doing the lockout wrong. Because like a lot of times when people do shoulder press, they don't have that like straight in line motion. They kind of do it a little forward and it's a bit awkward and you can get some shoulder impingement and they just don't love it. But like a good shoulder press straight up, you get that huge flexion in your upper back and you get some, you actually get a pretty big like um pump in your upper back and in your, in, in all over your back and like your deltoids and all that, dude gotta love overhead press and yeah i despise shrugs so i really do think that like overhead press face pulls that's the way you should work out your traps just going like dude i hate it <laughs> yeah and it's very hard to do shrugs correctly like it's so hard to do it without cranking your neck and yeah. there's a lot of stuff in, and we'll save that for another week but there's a lot of stuff in here that you don't necessarily want to impinge on with a couple hundred pounds so yeah i mean shrugs are okay in moderation but yeah, maybe 400-pound shrugs, I don't know. <laughs> more of a party <laughs> trick. I feel like it's more of a grip workout than it is even, like, your traps. Like, my grip gives up way faster than my traps, and maybe I just have a weak grip, but... <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, but no, that is definitely a physio fun fact. Actually, kind of want to go a little more into that. So, like, would you kind of think, like, from the bottom rack position up to like maybe above your head is that mostly of your deltoids and like your chest and then once you kind of like push forward is that when you engage more of your back not necessarily and like another way to think of it is i like i would say that the your shoulder your deltoid is not the prime muscle at play in a shoulder press and that's mm -hmm. that that can be a controversial opinion right because um like immediately when you do this it's it's actually not just raising of the arm. Your shoulder blades are already rotating, right? And then, you know, logic would tell you that the muscles that are the prime movers are probably the biggest ones at play. And your trap is like your trap is not just this guy, because your trap goes in between your shoulder blade and then under it. So muscles like your traps, um, like I would say your like your whole trap probably is the prime mover in there. And the shoulder does get tired of this small muscle and it fatigues easily. But yeah, it's, um, I mean, your deltoid works the whole way, right? Your shoulder does work, but um, your trap is doing so much of the work, especially as you get closer and closer to lockout. So you, you were right in that, in that sense. Man, that is so interesting. Um, to kind of maybe pick your brain a little more on this, and I know uh, we're going a bit off topic, but you know what? I think everyone wants to get bigger shoulders. You know, you want to have that 3D look to yeah. it. It's a, it's a tough muscle to train. Um, yeah. Would you then say maybe the pressing movements aren't the most effective to activate those deltoids? Like, would you maybe recommend doing more like side raises, upright rows? Like, what would be a more optimal movement to really hit those um, deltoids then? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is one way my thinking has kind of evolved a lot in the couple years because yeah like with with when i do a shoulder press often i'm i have a really really strong like upper back but then 
you know, it's kind of the shoulder that goes and because there's so many things going, it's hard to isolate and actually feel like my shoulders get tired by the end. Like I am now a big believer in doing like things like reverse flies for the back delt, side raises for the, the lateral delt, and then, and then doing front raises because, you know, then you know you're working the muscle. Like then you know that muscle was getting hit to failure. Whereas when you do a compound movement, you know, the good thing is that you're working a lot of things at once, but if you're looking to target something, it's not necessarily ideal. Like you can get away with a shoulder press somehow without really using your your shoulders, your deltoids. So yeah. You know, I've already learned something so much. Cause something I always wondered about like it is that I've gotten stronger in my overhead press. Like I can overhead press like oh, like about 175, 180. So like I'm no slack on that. But I've literally side raised and front raised and reverse uh pec uh like the reverse uh, the rear fly or whatever you call them. Yeah. Um, I've used the same weight in that for almost my entire life. So yeah. like I've side raised 20 pounds for like 10 years, yet yeah. my overhead press is like tripled. So it's like how is this the same thing if I've gotten so much stronger in the movement? But what you're saying makes a lot of sense. So now I'm kind of thinking, like, should I start just maybe if I'm doing a shoulder day, maybe do something besides overhead press first if I really want to grow them? Yeah, like understand that you can walk out of a shoulder day with a lot of shoulder presses. And maybe these guys were not stimulated enough to incite any growth. So that's some food for thought, something to think about if you're trying to really get them stronger or if you went through injury and you're like why the heck does my shoulder always get re-injured like take a look see if do some side raises and see if it's a notable weakness yeah dude you are just already you changed my entire view of shoulder day because i i would bang <laughs> out no kidding like 10 sets of overhead press like when i want like um oftentimes right now i'm doing uh bodybuilding work so i do a ton of overhead press um and so now i'm thinking like you know, maybe I should start off with some more of the isolation movements, man. Already learning something new in the first 10 minutes of the first Evo Patch Physio Fun Facts. Good. I If you guys like these fun facts, please let me know. I guess this is a good way for me to regurgitate my learning too. Yeah, dude. No, I'm loving this, man. You're already teaching some new stuff. Love it. Um, anyways, I hope Avon enjoyed that little side topic, but the main topic we want to talk about is concurrent training. Now, concurrent training is not the exact same as cross training. And people, I think they're pretty familiar with cross training. The idea that doing um, two separate types of spiritual activities kind of help with the other one kind of get that benefit maybe working muscles you don't work as much in your primary spurt fantastic all love it we should probably do an episode of cross training but today is concurrent training and pat can you tell us what is concurrent training yeah well let's let's give you like a difference between the two things because they you could be doing the two same two things and one guy could be concurrent training another could be cross training and I think what matters is the intent of it. So when you cross train, typically an athlete, and even if you're recreational, you're still an athlete, the athlete has a main sport. So like for you, let that be swimming, right? And perhaps, or let, let's, let's, like, let's say it's like Michael Phelps. He's like swimming. That's his main gig. He gets paid for that. Now, uh, for him, he will do some cross training, some dry land training in the weight room um, to, you know, to, keep him in shape, work him balances, whatever. But he does that 
to assist the swimming, right? Um, he's not trying to maximize his strength gains or anything. He's trying to do what he can to do that. Or maybe sometimes Michael Phelps goes for a a bike ride or, or like a long hike and he's not trying to become an avid hiker. He's just trying to uh, get some load in the joints because swimming misses that. So that's cross training. You're doing something else uh, usually to assist or to have a break from your main activity. Now concurrent training is a very tricky thing and, and nerds love it because it's um, it actually doesn't really make sense. Now concurrent training is usually trying to do two opposite things at the same time getting good at them at once. So usually that entails cardiovascular training or cardiovascular sport and strength training or strength sport at the same time. So what's an example of that? You could have, like, this is not me, I'm never going to do it, right? But let's say I signed up in March for like a 10k race. But also in March, I'm going to have a weightlifting meet. Now I want to do good in both of them. So I'm going to, my goal is to get higher lifting total and lower my, my time in the 10k race at the same time. That would make me concurrent training because I'm actively trying to get better at both of them. Does that make sense? Completely. Yeah. Awesome. And yeah, it seems very counterintuitive uh, because especially when we're doing cardiovascular compared to strength training, you're really using, you're really kind of going against yourself by doing it that way. But um, for the listeners might know, I'm a big fan of this. Um, I, Tell us more. I often go to the gym um, maybe four or five times a week. And I also love to do a lot of cardio. Um, recently, you know, I've been talking with you and another mutual friend about swimming a lot uh, since it's kind of getting a little too cold and also very rainy. Um, and I, because I recently moved close to a pool, I was like, you know what? It's time to get good at swimming. Time to be the next Michael Phelps. So been doing a lot of swimming now recently. And yeah, I can definitely understand the struggles of doing uh, the concurrent training. Um, I think it's one of those things about like, you have to accept you're not going to be good at both of them. Like you're never going to be an elite level at both of them, but you're kind of in this unique category where you do something that the elite of those can't do. Like you take um, elite level power lifters, some crazy beast, deadlifting eight, 900 pounds. Uh, again, no, not trying to talk any crap against them, but I doubt any of them could run like 20K. Neither could I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And again, they are specialists. They do something that almost no human can do but yeah. um i guess in my mind i used to want to be a specialist but now later on it's like you know i kind of like to be a jack of all trades i just want to be good at everything even if i'm not ex um insane at one mm -hmm. yeah and it's uh it's kind of a tricky water to navigate and I, I think to add a point on what i said earlier you don't have to be like a serious professional in both disciplines for it to happen because i think a lot of casual gym trainees um, should be aware of this issue because like I've had clients where I've had to have the conversation that one of my clients uh, wanted to do um, kind of like train for a triathlon, right? So involving high amounts of biking, swimming and running. Um, but he was also very determined to get stronger. And it took a lot of conversations uh, that I had to have with him to help him understand that there's really 
no way that you can optimize both at the same time. Like it's, you know, like I think it's going to be very unlikely that uh, you're going to put on muscle if you're trying to, if you're doing this many hours of cardio a week, right? And that, you know, also if you're doing all this cardio, all this pounding of the joints, you also can't hit it quite as hard in the gym as if, as someone who only goes to the gym because your joints will start to feel it. And um, like, I think everyone, anyone who loves being active has ran into this problem because you want to do all the things, but especially, you know, since none of us are teenagers anymore listening to this, like you need to, um, you need to be aware of like how your physiology works um, because um, grit and like, and like toughness is not going to save you when your body just gives out if, if you're going too hard either way. Man, I think grit and toughness actually causes more problems than good. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I think most of the times I've ever been injured, it's like, I know it's a little, like, tweak, and I'm like, you know what, come on, let's just fight through it. And then that little tweak doesn't become so little anymore. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, I, I think I've become much less gritty the more I read about, like, how, how an injury works and, like, when I start to see pictures of how stuff actually tears, I'm like, okay, maybe I should give this give this ligament or this tendon some time to to put itself back together. Oh man, but yeah, to go back about the cross training, I would say one of the things I've learned for um kind of trying not cross training, sorry, concurrent training. One of the things I've really learned is you do have to kind of be realistic with yourself. Like what you're saying, you can't go full effort with both. And I kind of like to do a cyclical type of thing where maybe for a couple months, I'm going to focus on one and just do the other one, just to maintain, mm. just keep it up just because I like doing it. So an example of this is let's say I want to focus on running, then I'm going to prioritize my runs. So I know when I'm going to go for my long runs. I know when I'm going to do maybe some recovery runs and yeah. then I'll make my lifting work around that. Um, I've noticed that if I do like some heavy leg day before a run, like a day before, my run is significantly tougher and slower. Like yeah. if I do some heavy deadlifts or squats, like even if I don't feel sore, even if I feel 100% the next day, my runs are slower. But I think two days is my sweet spot. So what I might do is maybe I do three or four runs. And in my long runs, I always give myself two days for really recover, really make sure I'm ready to go. And I think it's one of those things you have to kind of figure out how your body works and adjust accordingly but yeah i think what you said to your uh, client is true there's no way you're going to prioritize both one of them is going to have to slow down the gains or just maintain it yeah well that, that's that's perfect amber the and i think the first principle of concurrent training or having two very opposing goals is the more spacing you can get between the two types of sessions um it's going to be better now like you know, one simple way of doing it is some people, if, if they can get their cardio busted out in the morning, their run, and if you can do an evening lift, um, that's at least going to mitigate the contrasting effects a little bit and give you some time to recover, uh, which is a lot more ideal than going to the gym and then immediately um, hopping on a long run afterwards. It's, you know, not only are you going to suffer on the run, but, um, you know, I, I think the effect it's going to have on your body is more just like more like general emergency and stress because you're just your legs are just burning rather than uh doing the right amount which is going to cause you to have good adaptations and get stronger and and have a stronger cardiovascular or whatever else you're looking for 
You know, so I want to actually ask you this because the common bro science is you always do cardio after lifting. And it doesn't mean right after, but it's like, okay, let's say you want to both go for a run and work out. You will work out in the morning, then you'll run in the evening. You never want to do it the opposite way. And that's been like the bro science I've heard forever. Um, even like um, w- when I train jujitsu, um, that's like a common for them where it's like guys will always say like, okay, make sure you lift first and then come and do jujitsu. And so that's really a common thing I hear all the time. And I'm wondering, is there any truth to that? Or is there an optimal um, strategy? Is it actually better to maybe run first or do your cardio first? Or is it better to lift first? I'm curious about that. Mm. Um, I think, so here's the reality. Whatever you do second is going to suffer a little bit. And I think, I, th- I think you want to keep that in mind. Like, Adam, you talked earlier about how your goals will... Like, you don't take away one of the goals altogether, but you will slightly lean on one of them, right? Because when you work out, like, after you work out, some things are proven. Like, your strength is down, your muscles are, like, slightly torn, um, which they're supposed to be if you worked out properly. Um, your ability to, like, fire muscles together, like, your coordination is a little bit decreased. And depending on how hard you went, like, the more it be decreased. So when you run afterwards, it is a little bit negatively affected, but hopefully if it's like by 12 hours, it'll be better, right? If you go the other way around, you go and run first, again, your legs will be toasted, and you go to the gym after, that will suffer too. So I think you just have to think about which one is more important to you at the moment, and ideally you could do that first. But also at the end of the day, we're all working individuals and have busy lifestyles, optimal like do it optimally if you can which is to prioritize and do the more important one first but if you can't i mean just do it whichever way that you can like for a lot of people running in the morning makes more sense than running at night um you know just due to there's less traffic perhaps you know it's perhaps less rainy in the morning or whatnot and and also you don't have to go book in at a gym like that's a constraint we have nowadays right so like just do what's logical and don't stress about that um i i don't think yeah and hey man that's some good advice i would and really does make a lot of sense i can definitely say you do feel the immediate effects of doing cardio before a workout like i used to well i still um do sometimes is that i would run to the gym um because i'm like you know what i I was a little lazy. I might have missed a run before. And I was like, I'll just do a quick 3, 4K to the gym and then work out. And, like, I am noticeably weaker. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's not only lower body lifts. It's even upper body stuff. Like, yeah. I am about 10, 15% weaker running before than if I just kind of, like, maybe took the bar. So it just kind of walked casually. It's kind of crazy how much of an impact you feel from that, even in your upper body, even if it's something nothing to do with what cardio you did beforehand. Yeah, it's one of the things about like working out that has taught uh, that working out has taught me is that you will always feel the consequences of your actions. Like, yeah, like it's not wrong to run to the gym, like do it. And, and also, if you enjoyed it, it also helps you get in. But just realize that your lift will, will suffer. And uh, no matter how much you hype yourself up with with the uh with like a one piece theme song or whatnot it's just it's just you know like it's the reality what's been done is done and you just have to realize that um if you're gonna do cardio right before you will lose a little bit of strength yeah and i think it's one of those things where it does play into consistency because i think 
what I, I'm a big believer of whatever you do, you should do it consistently. So if yeah. you run to the gym, I kind of want to try to consistently run to the gym every time because then I have a better metric. Um, am I getting stronger? Because like if I don't run to the gym one day and I go to the gym, then all my numbers are up. And so like, I'm like, oh yeah, good. I'm making some gains. I'm getting stronger, but that's not really true because I didn't run. So I don't know how much stronger I really got. So I think that it kind of plays a little mind games on you where you artificially hit these like PRs and you're like, oh, perfect. Everything's working great. But it's, it's just kind of, what were you doing before? What was your recovery? What were you doing right before you came to the gym? Mm-hmm. And, and to put it another way, it's also like, I think over the years I've gotten uh, I've gotten less concerned about making sure I hit a PR on a, on a certain day. And that doesn't mean I don't try, right? Definitely put the effort in, but like, you know, some days I'll be, I'll go to the gym and I'll be like, okay, today is like an open-ended snatch day. I'm going to hit a PR no matter what. And I just don't, but then you can sit down and kind of think about it. Okay. Like I was at school for nine hours. I sat for nine hours. I slept four hours. I didn't eat too much. And honestly, when I walked in, I just felt bad. And just realizing that that's not on, like, not everything is on you for, like, being weak or not being resilient or not putting in the effort. Like, you know, what the state of your body is on a certain day will kind of affect what your performance is on that day. And that's okay. You still want to do your best, but um, understand that not every day can be a PR day, unfortunately. Once upon a time, it was. (laughs) <laughs> definitely and especially if you're doing conc- uh, concurrent training you have to accept that like we've been saying it before but really to hammer it out is like you are not going to perform at the same level as a specialist and i think setting those expectations is really important for you not to get unmotivated and i mean again i think that's the big downfall of this training method is you're never going to be as good as a specialist you're not going to be like the 0.1 percent best at um the sport you pick but I think there's a lot of benefits to it. I think there's. I think for the majority of people, you should do concurrent training. Um, but before I maybe talk into some of the benefits, do you have any last negatives, Pat? Negatives of it. Um, it's um, it's also just a lot of stress. Um, I think, and like from a physiological and like just like regular like mental and and life stress, because. When you're, I mean, it's hard enough with like a full-time job or whatever, like some people have like families too and whatnot to deal with to get good at one thing, to like be a weight. Like I know people who are moms who, who have become a good weightlifter. That's hard enough, right? Or I know people who are dads who are, who are triathletes. Now, now you got to be a mom or dad and be a triathlete and a weightlifter and a parent and work. Like, <laughs> so, um, and I think it puts a lot of pressure and I think you have to think about, uh, if that's something you really want to do, because another simpler way to do it is you can be a mom or dad who is a competitive triathlete who lifts a little bit of weights to work on weaknesses um, and to stay healthy. And that suddenly becomes a much more manageable situation. As much as I know that some people have that hyper competitive spirit, I think uh, making those type of choices can just take away a lot of undue stress. Man, that is a good point. And yeah, stress and time consuming too, because like it is hard to go to the gym regularly. So like going to the gym three, four times a week, it's tough, especially if you have a full schedule. If you're a parent, man, good on you. That is a 
that's another full-time job just on top of that so uh, being able to go to the gym regularly enough is tough so adding in that you're probably going to have to do some cardio and runs or swims or cycle also on like your off day so you can keep that recovery up like you're basically working out almost every day and that's if you don't have the benefit of time and um a pretty stress-free life that can be a lot yeah and nobody has a stress-free life so <laughs> like so yeah it's it's i think just be logical with it and and also understand that if you're not doing well like if you're trying to do both and you're not doing well it's not on your fault for being a weak or a bad athlete it's it just might be too much realistically yeah completely completely um no, definitely. And it is another thing where you do have to be a little more serious about, I guess, recovery and stuff too. Like, I've noticed that um, for me, if I don't sleep well, if I don't eat pretty well too, then like, I just kind of like beat up my body for no reason. Mm-hmm. Like, and yeah, and, and I mean, the recovery happens during sleep and rest. So just think about that. Yeah, exactly. Like if I'm in a period where I don't get eight hours of sleep, um, then I just know it's no matter how hard I train, I just actually get worse. Like I get weaker at the gym, I get slower in any cardio thing. And it's just like, what am I doing? I'm literally just getting worse the more I spend on it. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, everything gets slower too, right? Like, you know, this is half becoming a stress management talk, but it's true. It's like, like you leave the gym. I don't know if you've ever done it, but you're super tired you hit the gym you go hard you're like okay let's let's still do it then you walk out of the gym feeling terrible you go back to work or whatever the rest of your your day is and like then you suck at that too <laughs> and like everything is just that's just a mess dude i mean one of the little tips i do because i've had those days where i go to the gym and like i'm just so weak i'm not into it i'm not enjoying it and in those days i actually don't let myself leave the gym until i feel a little good and what i do is i'm like okay Let's not do what we plan to do today. Forget the program. Just do nice. any exercise you want to do. Like, you know what? You want to use the stupid uh, pec deck? Go ahead. Just do it. You want to use, like, a leg press? Just do it. Just do anything that will keep you in the gym for, like, 30, 40 minutes. And then you're going to feel good about yourself. And you can go away without feeling like you just wasted your time and you're just a failure. Like, for me, I, I definitely have felt those. And I think it's just important to... Just, you know, let yourself lose, have some fun, um, maybe just go for like a bodybuilding pump just to feel good about yourself. Oh, that's that's actually a really good tip. And I've I think I've started telling people that a lot more, too, that, um, yeah, it, it's not every day is about that grind and like showing up and you did something to stimulate your body. Like if your body was feeling like a one out of ten, honestly, maybe that was the right dosage for your body, maybe a 400 pound squat probably would have ruined your day so yeah that i like that tip a lot and i agree with it oh and i have to let you know so my new like kind of guilty pleasures i've been doing a lot of curls pat so i want to do a rematch against a one rep max curl i think i can get you now man i think i can get you i don't do any curls so (laughs) i think you can get me too dude my curls like i'm getting pretty strong at them they're like my new primary lift I got my. Call me when, up. yeah, and and the lateral raises too. I gotta start <laughs> practicing those, dude. I'm after our conversation. I legit, I'm gonna have lateral raises as like my first or second exercise on my days now. I'm growing these shoulders. Yeah, you know, 
I started doing lateral raises, still not as much as I, I should, but for the first time in my life, I really actually felt like a pump and like proper contraction in my lateral deltoid. I really don't think like the rear deltoid, yes, a lot from presses and pull-ups. Front, yes. The middle one, I don't think I've ever felt before. So I'm like, you know what? I've probably been doing 20 pounds on these for 10 years and this is my fault because I've never properly given them the time of day. Man, I know we keep on going through this, but um, I still remember Rich Piana, um, rest his soul, he was mentioning about how on his shoulder days, he does 70 pound lateral raises. Like lat raises are his main shoulder movement. And like yeah. people were like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Um, like, yeah. why would uh, you're supposed to do compound first, Rich? Rich, what are you doing? But it turned out that he was just, he knew what was up before. And man, if only I listened to him. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, it, it's it's the thing that directly hits the shoulder. Why not do it, right? Yeah, I mean, we we all used to, we all used to talk shit too. And, uh, and you know, we're, we're growing, we're getting better. Yeah, exactly. Open mind up. But anyways, enough of this side shoulder conversation. We should have just had a <laughs> we should have just had a shoulder episode. I'm loving this, but um I want to talk about the real value of concurrent training. And I think for ninety-nine percent of people who probably listen to this and probably who go to the gym, you're going to the gym for I guess like two major reasons. You want to look better and you want to feel better. Like that's kind of like the two main reasons you go yeah. to the gym. And I think concurrent training really is the way you can maximize both of those. Um, for obviously looking better, um, going to the gym, you get some good muscle. The cardio is a great way to help yourself lose weight. Of course, you don't need to do cardio to lose weight, but I think it makes it a little bit easier. You can have some, you can be a little more flexible in your diet if you go for a run and all that good stuff. Um, as well as feeling better, like I... Th- I definitely think like going to the gym and doing cardio is like the key to making yourself feel good and really unlocking your body, like being able to get up and move without any pain, being able to like, you know what, go on a hike randomly on a weekend and enjoy it instead of just being like, (sighs) like actually having fun, Uh, (laughs) uh, like having fun with all of this. Um, Man, what was that quote Timberwolf said about like, on not being trapped by a body, like being able to move your body and control it to the fullest. I, yeah, I it was, wish it, it, yeah, it was something along the lines of, um, like, I think what he says to, to, to people who, like, his opinion on people who don't work out is that they are, like, forever a prisoner in their own body. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. I, and I really like that. And I think it really stands true where, like, I'm not working out or doing anything because I want, like, I'm making any money from it. I'm just doing it because, like, again, I want to feel better about myself and I want to look better about myself. And I feel like doing both is the easiest path to achieve both of those. Yeah. And, you know, you know, I'm the, the strength training guy, but I have to admit that the cardio very much does like it very much does do the feel better part of it. And I think the strength work is what makes you look better. Um, for sure. Like it builds up muscle. You get to see the muscles, but it doesn't make you kind of like healthy in a sense that like your heart and lungs and and your blood just like pumps good. It doesn't really do that for you, but it, it makes you much more functional. But 
Yeah, like for those of you who don't do cardio, and maybe I'm just talking to myself here, <laughs> but like cardio does really work. Like some of the things it does, if if this can convince somebody, it so every time your heart beats, it pumps some amount of blood. If you're really out of shape, it doesn't pump a lot of blood, and if you're really really in shape, it pumps like much more blood. So if we're comparing Anwar and I, every time Anwar's heart pumps, it pumps more blood. So it's much more efficient. Um, someone who's more fit also has more mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell. What does that mean? More energy, right? So uh, people who have better cardiovascular should have better energy. Um, they have more capillaries. So again, not only does blood go faster, it also gets into the cells. It gets where it needs to, friggin' your brain. So it makes you study better. It gets into your muscles so you function better. So it kind of does make everything work better. So, um, you know, for everyone, including myself, who's not really doing cardio, it really is worth it. Like, I think um, you're guaranteed to get more energy from it, feel better, uh, and be more healthy, right? So it's, yeah, do your cardio. <laughs> also, I think, uh, I don't know the science as well as you do, but doesn't it, like, a better cardio system also helps with recovery? Hmm. Yeah, very much so. And kind of the little mechanisms I talked about earlier will explain why, right? So we know that nutrients and flushing happens most very much through your, your lymph and your blood, right? So we talked about how if you do, if you have a good heart, if good cardio, if you pump more blood, right? So what does that mean? Faster recovery. And the second thing is the capillarization. That's the stuff that helps um, get the blood into systems. So for example, muscles, bones, and tendons. So if you have do a lot of cardio, so you get improved capillarization, you will then have better recovery of muscles, joints, ligaments, tendons, um, everything. Like, so, you know, there's much more to be said about that. But yeah, uh, it can give you faster recovery. Um, so for those of you who are like, chronically sore, even after just like, after very short workouts, you know, perhaps the cardio has something to do with that. And it can, uh, it can definitely help with that. Yeah, no, that's really interesting about that. As well, too. Um, I remember uh, back when we started lifting, there was a common bro science thing about cardio killing gains. And I wouldn't say kill gains, but I think cardio can maybe slow gains where you're not training as op you can't train as optimally so you're not going to make gains as fast but you still can make gains while doing cardio yes um and that that is exactly the they took concurrent training and then they they just kind of made that a universal truth um and it's not so if you're running like you know some people will say like they want to get into shape as in they want to put on muscle like specifically and then but they're like, oh, I also want to run five times a week to lose fat. That's where you run to a problem. Um, also, the whole build muscle, lose fat thing is also, I consider that a form of concurrent training. That's also problematic because building muscle is building and losing is losing. And our system isn't doesn't have enough fitness to tell it to build and lose at the same time. I think it gets very janky. Anyways, oh, the cardio... Oh, Coach yeah. Greg would not want to hear that from you. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, Greg Doucette. Yeah, Greg Doucette. Uh, man, he is not, he, he's all about that. I mean, again, he, 
first and foremost, I think he's a pretty good guy overall. I think he gives some good advice overall. Um, yeah. Coke, uh, cookbook, I actually got it. It's all right, but <laughs> <laughs> anyways, um, yeah, no, that's a big thing about what he says. Are you saying you can't lose fat and gain muscle? I'm not saying you can't, just like I'm not saying you can't do a marathon and Olympic lift, but I'm saying it is the hard way there. All right. Yeah. Yeah, so don't, <laughs> don't come at me yet, but it's like very much the hard way there. I think you could separately lose fat and then put on muscle much faster than you could try to lose fat, gain muscle concurrently. Uh, yeah, and sorry, I, I had to make sure that Coach Greg doesn't <laughs> cancel us, but what was your point you were making? Uh, oh, what the heck was I saying? I was talking about... What was I talking about before this? Cardio? You know what? Um, I, I think it was just building upon more of the point about, um, you know, doing both of them, and if you're not, it's not going to kill your gains, but it's not like you're not going to be able to optimize muscle building. Oh, I got with... it. <laughs> okay. I'm back. Okay, sorry, long day. Um, what I was saying is that there is a scenario where you can, like, you can do cardio and and still put on muscle optimally. And I think that's what we didn't know uh, 10 years ago. Because you have to do quite a bit of cardio for it to have, like, a super substantial effect that it, like, cancels your muscle gain effects right like yes it's bad to do an hour of cardio every single day and try to gain muscle but you the minimum of cardio to get good results in the research is like three times a week 20 minutes and not even like balls to the wall we're talking like uh you know 65 70 percent heart rate max that's not very much that's like uh even i can do that it's like a little jog or a moderate row or even like a light circuit trading for 20 minutes right now, that's not going to kill your gains. In fact, for what it can do for your heart and your recovery, that can even enhance your gains, right? And contrasting that, if you were a triathlete or like Anwar, you're, you're swimming a lot, you know, perhaps those little doses of workouts that you sometimes do when you're tired, just even just like leg curls, leg extensions, uh, maybe just hit some muscles you don't hit uh, with the, the cardio sports, 30, 40 minutes, at the very least, you're maintaining your muscle gains, right? You're not doing enough to fry your legs so you can't swim the next day, but you're doing enough that you're maintaining, um, yeah, like that you're able to at least maintain. Yeah, man, I love that. And also, like, I think you make a good point that cardio doesn't have to be like a balls-to-the-wall thing. Same with working out. Like, you don't have to go kill yourself every time. And one of the, like, life hacks I found, especially for, like, cardio balancing, is walking everywhere. Like, yeah. I know I know, not Ava can do that for... Um, multiple reasons maybe where you live it's not as developed to have like um shops and everything in walking distance or it might not be the safest and all that but if you can walking everywhere is like i've been trying to do that as much as i can like you're able to kind of get your blood flow running a bit you really do get your heart rate a little bit up and you know it's just a good way to get in that little extra cardio and not like completely fry your system exactly and so yeah, that's where the mindset comes in, right? Not all exercise has to be killer for you to get a good effect. Like yesterday, I went on some classmates. And we played some light, moderate tennis, right? Like nothing killer. I, I wasn't like panting, but like that can be enough to get a good stimulus. And I think as long as you can 
that takes a lot of stress off people exercising. I think if you can keep that in mind that you can just do activities and get adaptations and they don't always have to be, you know, something that makes you cry or something that makes you sore for to do something. Definitely, definitely. And that's just kind of keeps consistent with everything. We've mentioned it before that if you just go too hard, it's hard to stay consistent with it. Um, if you just hate every second. So, and that's the same thing with the concurrent training because it is a lot of training. So if you're not able to keep it up, there's no point in doing it only for a week. So you really have to kind of set a schedule where like, okay, I, it's, I enjoy it. I'm not killing myself every time. My body's not deteriorating. We're good to go. Exactly, exactly. Good. Good. I, I do, think we've made most of the points. Yeah, I, I wanted to highlight, though, um, one athlete who I think really is, in my mind, probably one of like, the biggest feat of concurrent training, and his name is Fergus Crawley. Now, this man, Pat, he, um, he did a 1,200-pound uh, powerlifting total um, and a... Uh, Ironman triathlon in the same day. Now, to give you an idea of an Ironman triathlon, that's about a 3.8k swim. Um, I think it's about a 190k bike ride and then a full marathon. Um, and he did that in about 12 hours. So he calls this the 1212, and that is insane. Um, it really kind of. I think that's like the most. Like, that's kind of an elite sport in itself. Like, both of those alone, are they're impressive. They're very good, but they're not like an elite thing. But combined, I can't think of very many humans that could do that. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, we talked about, we, we just spent the whole episode talking about why this should be almost impossible. Like, their whole body should be falling apart. It probably did fall apart afterwards, but that, like, because... And I think we talked about this on the pre uh, before the show, right? A twelve hundred total is very good, but not elite. But um, sorry, was the powerlifting meet after the the run? No, so it was before. So I think um, he woke up at like five a.m. Did the powerlifting meet at his local gym? So it wasn't like an actual competition, but he just like he went to a gym, and I think he had a judge there to watch him. So it was all legit, right. and there's a video of it. So it's all on like great firm no cheating or anything all legit numbers and then he goes and prepares for the triathlon yeah so he like taxed his legs in his lower back because you know you've maxed out before it yes it's one one rep but it really hits you and like every every true max out is a near injury so <laughs> so it really gets you and then he went and did an iron man it's amazing dude and like people who've done um powerlifting meets even though and you're only doing nine reps but like your body's done those nine reps are everything you have like your muscles your cns is fried like you just want to like eat a nap you don't even want to do anything and then he goes and does an iron man like that is a physical and mental feat which like i think even elite athletes couldn't do absolutely it's it's uh and even those that could maybe wouldn't dare yeah, it's crazy. He actually did another um, kind of feat of this called a 505, where he did a 500-pound squat and in a sub-five-minute mile. Now, a five-minute a five mile is insane. Like, I mean, it, it's a really hard feat to get, and then you do a 500-pound squat too. That's 
those two things should not mix. Yeah, I mean, for context, I'm a I'm a specialist in the strength side, and I've yet to squat 400. So this guy did five, and then and then you know crushed your cardio time in the in in the run too. That's crazy. Yeah, no, I mean, I I can only dream of ever doing like. I think I do like a 630 mile or like a 615 mile. So like he crushes me, no question about it. Wow, like squatting more than my all-time best. <laughs> what a guy. Some guys are built different. Truly, truly. But no, um, I, I think though you can, I, I think we should highlight those types of people more. Like singularly it's not impressive but just combined like that's an insane feat to get good at both of those and really is an inspiration yeah yep absolutely and and you know a while back we talked about guys like damian warner and the dick athlete and uh you know i i would argue those are the greatest athletes on earth I still stand by strongmen. I think strongmen, they they kind of do concurrent training too, although very much dominant on one of the two. Yes. Uh, I would love to see, you know how they have that Eddie Hall versus half the boxing match? I, I don't really too interested in that. I would want to see who could win in a marathon. Oh, oh man. Yeah, better get the... Get, better get the athletic therapist and first aid team ready for that, man. The oxygen masks after every like kilometer. <laughs> oh man, no, that'd be a great that would be a great event to watch. I'd watch the whole thing. Same for all thirty minutes of it before it goes south. <laughs> all right. Well, I think this was. You know, this was a good educational Nai News episode. Um, we got some good shoulder tips at the beginning. And man, Pat, I'm going to have to report on you about how my shoulder training has changed from that. And I'm looking forward to some more um, physio fun facts. You're going to let us know the secret of the physiotherapist. This is like, <laughs> we're like it's like entering Scientology. We're going to see the truth of what's going on behind us closed doors. Oh, man, I'll, 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 have, I'll have stories to tell and... Yeah, I do more than enough learning every week to, to uh, think of one fun fact. So, absolutely. All right. Um, anything you want to say to close us out today? No, I mean, um, I, the only thing I'd say is if, if you only do cardio, go get yourself a little bit of strength training for your tendons, ligaments, and muscles. And if you only do strength training, get yourself some cardio so you can get that heart pumping faster, recovering faster, getting more blood flow studying better like you know so a little bit of both is great and um i think that's more or less the key takeaway um yeah and if you like natty news make sure you're subscribing to us on youtube where you can see our surprise facial reactions uh every single week um or if you're listening to us on your commute uh be sure to hit the notification bell on spotify so that you're first to know when a episode comes out, our episodes usually come out on Monday, uh, definitely on time for your commute home on Monday night. All right. With that being said, I think Natty News out. Natty News out. Bye-bye. Hope you all enjoyed this week's episode of Natty News. If you'd like to learn more, be sure to check out our website, www.natty.news. 
As well, check out our Instagram Natty News Podcast and Facebook page Natty News if you want to get a bit more Natty information.